Welcome back to the Power of Politics podcast with myself, Christopher Egan, Tom Miller, and Francisco Gonzalez. Uh, today we have three guests on, uh, Karis McIntyre, Jemima Barnes, and Faith Fallon. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about gender inequalities, uh, starting with, of course, the flashpoint of this week, which was uh, the Sarah Everard case, uh, which was, of course, um, a murder uh, committed by a policeman and ensuing protests. Uh, but first, we're uh, going to be looking about the implications and consequences. So, Jemima, what do you think are the social implications of the Sarah Everard case? I think I would say that mainly I think the fact that something this extreme has like entered the public consciousness has really raised awareness about what women have to go through to ensure their safety every day. So, um, for example, the survey that said that 97% of women have experienced some kind of sexual harassment or sexual assault in their lifetime. A lot of that are children and like younger teenage girls. And I think kind of the awareness of that has been increased a lot, especially among people who wouldn't necessarily think about it. So what women have to do when they're home alone is something that a lot of people haven't fully considered before. And I think that a lot of men and other people who wouldn't necessarily have to think twice about walking home at night are suddenly aware of a lot of struggles that people are facing. Right. So do you believe that um, this particular case uh, reveals a greater misogyny in our society? I, I think it's difficult to separate it between obviously the, that single police officer and the general um, population, I think, because obviously he is a very like extreme example. But I think that lots of um, men obviously are like committing these kind of microaggressions that they might not have even considered are making women like very uncomfortable because obviously if 97% of women have experienced some form of sexual harassment then it's got to be more than a minority of men who are making them uncomfortable in some way. Right so how do we how do we characterize microaggressions? Well I think kind of obviously like catcalling and like following women I think that sort of thing has happened to like it's happened to me it's happened to a lot of my friends um like, that sort of thing I guess right so as a, as a man um and, and as a male it's often quite hard to appreciate um the the experience of a woman um and I'd just like to ask if you don't mind how, what, how have you personally been affected by these sorts of slights? Um, yeah, yeah, I would say definitely a lot at school and kind of school from school most days and I'm constantly slightly on edge about what at all times and obviously you feel very paranoid because obviously it only happens to a tiny number of people are going to actually suffer like serious hurt like Sarah did but I think it is that constant like slightly higher stress level that you don't necessarily appreciate. Right. I mean just 
as like really add to that I feel like what's been not revealed necessarily but highlighted because of the Sarah Everard case is that it could have been any woman like it wasn't like she was picked upon because of something about her like every woman is affected by misogyny that is deep-rooted in our society constantly like what Jemima said about being catcalled and things I feel like I don't even feel like it's 97 percent. I feel like it is every woman and it's so deep-rooted in our society that women who aren't being catcalled and women who aren't having like unsolicited dick pics and like having misogyny experiencing misogyny feel like they're not good enough and feel like they're ugly or feel like they're not like <laughs> male attention has been become something that we're taught to like worship because of how deep-rooted misogyny is do you mind yeah i think it's um internal male gaze is kind of something that i think as well a lot of people don't have it will not have it so it's that kind of conscious like entirely conscious of what you look like every time you're doing anything even if you necessarily have to feel that way kind of just in case someone sees you and that sort of thing right so how how do we how do we look at um the male psyche then what is what is what is what is so troubling about um how the male psyche kind of operates is it is it a cultural question uh, that needs to be addressed I think a lot of it is has become kind of taught and I think that it's difficult to think of where kind of patriarchal culture started building because it's so ingrained in in modern society and some people would argue that there is a biological element to it that it's very very difficult to where that's from but I think it's recognise it as a problem now and start trying to Okay, so Karis or Faith, do you have any comments on this? Um, I think it can be quite problematic to discuss. I mean, since coming back to school <laughs> and interacting with people, I've been asked about it by a number of boys and they ask, like, they're asking my opinion. And one of them said, I can understand what this cause is saying, <laughs> that like, it's a systemic problem and that dehumanizing women by like not respecting them could lead to more sexual assaults. But the problem arises when you group all men together. And someone said to me, if some if people were saying um, not, you know, black people commit more crimes and you group together all black people, then that would be racist. And you wouldn't be able to come back and say not all black people <laughs> like that. That would be. That would be fine to say and people would support that but they don't support it when people say not all men i mean i'm not saying that i support not all men <laughs> um but that's that's when people can get offended because they feel like they're getting stereotyped and blamed for things that they might not have directly actually contributed to i don't know if there's a perspective from the male <laughs> male sort of viewpoint on that um i think we'll, we'll address that in just a second but karis you had a final point um, well, if we want to talk about the not all men thing, then maybe one of you should talk first. <laughs> but I just feel like when men get annoyed about not all men, 
it's them. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you, if you can understand that women have to generalize, then you can understand why not all men is stupid, really. Because yeah, maybe it's not all men, but it's so many that like, I'm not gonna walk down a street in the dark or like through an alleyway, or like I'm not, I'm always gonna cross the road if I see like a guy walking towards me. I don't know, I feel like the not all men thing has just become like a rebuttal for something really isn't there because no one is saying like every man is going to sexually assault you it's just saying that there are enough that actually I have to be cautious with every man that I don't know enough to trust and even when you do know someone enough to trust like it it's often like not enough lots of people are sexually assaulted or raped by people who they're close with uh, but now we're going to move on to uh, the male gaze um so Tom what's your perspective on not all men um, first of all, uh, I'll, I'll sort of incorporate my answer. I'll look at something else first, Chris, and I'll bring that in. So there's a few things I want to cover in this answer. And I'd also say some great points raised in the previous segment. Firstly, we have this 97% statistic here, which I've seen a lot of people, it's creating such a division in that people are saying, yep, yeah, 97% on one side. And the other people are saying, oh, it's an invalid statistic. It's only a small demographic that was taken. It incorporates stuff such as staring um and so forth and i feel that really just ignores the problem because it doesn't really matter how what percentage you put it on like quantify it maybe it's 97 percent, maybe it's less maybe it's more it doesn't really matter the point is if there's any percent of people who are being sexually harassed either gender there's a problem there so to me first of all that's all and that's an, an argument which has been incorporated in the not all men argument in that people are saying it's not 97%, it's less. I just think it's not really something to pick an argument over. There's still too many, either way, either way you look at it. Maybe it's less, maybe it's more, whatever. It doesn't really matter. Um, and then with regard to the exact comments about not all men, it's a really tough one because I obviously can't put myself in someone's shoes like some like Jemima Karras, like they were mentioning earlier. And I can see it from a man's perspective how... You, you don't want to be associated with, you know, you hear a lot of people say, oh, it's toxic masculinity culture, it's this and that. And you as a man, you're thinking, well, I'm not part of that. I don't endorse that. I call it out if I see it. I'm not. I, and it's like to you as a man, it's just like, why does it have to be associated with all men? And I, it probably is too many. It is too many. But it's like, is there not, is there not something else we can do here? Why does it have to be that mindset? And I understand what Karis is saying. And I'm not saying that I directly have a problem with not all men, but it, it can be very like endangering and also mentally to a man like mental health wise if you're saying you know you're a man so directly you have an interlinked you're interlinked with a culture which promotes misogyny blah 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 it can be very damaging to someone's mental health you're creating a sort of anti-victimhood from set there if that makes sense but I do see I'm not endorsing the not all men or not all men side I'm just giving my opinion that it can be hard for a man in some some of these situations because if if they are, if we truly are, believe we're doing what we can to call out what's wrong and what's wrong, then you don't want to be incorporated with those who are causing the problem. But I do see the other side as well. So that's a little few comments on the current ongoings. And I'm going to speak about the, gen, the general sort of movement of feminism as a whole from my perspective. Just before uh, that, I think Jemima has a point. Yeah, sure. Um, I was just going to ask, would you say that, it might well go into what you're saying here, but would you say that the idea that the impact that being linked with people who do a lot of violent harm 
has had on people's mental health would you say that that's been exacerbated by like toxic masculinity and the idea that men are less like socially accepted when it comes to asking for mental health I feel like there's definitely a, a sort of cross there I feel there definitely is a link in that like right you can't seek mental health because you have a link to this group which in themselves is causing mental health damage to another group and I, I do think there is definitely a link there it is just a really hard point as a whole and I will I will sort of go on to that in my next segment as a whole which is my general comments on the feminism movement as a whole so you have this first wave of feminism which I think we will probably support right general equality of rights and voting and so forth I think you'd be stupid not to support that and then you have this second wave and now we've sort of branched into this third wave and I think the third wave is useful in part I think it's useful in addressing issues in other countries because I think there's many countries around the world where you have these um, these gender issues and inequalities. However, I do feel like the movement itself has probably strayed away from the heart of the message. And I'll give you a few examples of that as just what I see is of the movement. And it probably is a minority, but often the small minority are the voices which are heard. So one example to me in which I felt really disenfranchised with the feminism movement, I know a lot of other men did, friends of mine, was the fact that they called out Donald Trump on lots of sexual sexual assault allegations and rape allegations and I think that is great you know you're supporting females coming forward with these allegations you're supporting a movement which and I'm sure it can be hard to have sex if you've been like raped or so forth against some a big powerful figure it can be really hard and I think it was around 20 allegations and the movement the meeting movement I thought that was really empowering good however Joe Biden had had eight sexual allegations against it continue okay so that's the first point to me in that, that sort of disenfranchised me of the movement a lot, is that they supported one side, however, on the other side of the political spectrum, I didn't really hear, hear, many, hear many words on it. Um, the other thing to me was the, the contrast I saw between Johnny Depp and how when all the allegations came out, I saw the whole feminism movement take Amber Heard's side and the truth came out and we saw the truth was very different in my opinion. And I'd contrast that to someone like Cardi B, who's an admitted rapist, who was performing on the Grammys just a few days ago. Um, and I just saw them empowering that. And I just feel like even even forget the Johnny Depp situation. Feminism is about equality. You have a, a famous singer who's admitted to drugging men and having sex with them and robbing them in her younger years. And it's just like, I don't see many comments on that. If it's really about equality, then why don't we call it out on both sides? And I do think it's right you call it on the men's side, but why don't we call it out on the women's side as well? We have a clear case there. That's just a few of my opinions from a male perspective of, maybe how the movement, and it probably is a minority, has sort of strayed away from probably the heart and reasoning of it in recent, in recent times. Some very- um, Can I ask a question? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, do you feel intimidated by that type of third wave feminism type? Yeah. Does that, does that intimidate you as a man, like that women might be able to have some sort of leverage over men? because of historical reasons. Leverage in what sense do you mean? Like um, if there was a man who admitted to drugging women and like raping them, they wouldn't be allowed to perform at the Grammys, but then she does. It seems like a bit of bias. Well, so do I'm you not... think that's a threat to, yeah. Well, I can't really speak, for me personally, I'm not gonna say I'm intimidated by that because those horrible actions I would never even consider doing. So obviously it's something that doesn't really cross my, cross my path, but as a whole, it is quite intimidating in that 
and I'm sure this this is very intimidating for women in lots of different areas in society, as we mentioned earlier. But it's quite intimidating that one gender can do something and the other gender is held to a different standard. It's sort of exactly yeah. against the meaning of feminism. So it, I do get what you mean entirely, yeah. And I'm I'm sure I see I see Karis laughing. I'm sure that applies to women in many segments of society. It's probably far less. Yeah, no, please talk. I couldn't help but laugh at that because I feel like there's so many examples where that's like men. I feel like that's just like an interchangeable thing, if you know what I mean. Like women can't really talk openly about sex, masturbation, etc., because of the way that we treat like men and women differently. And the way that like we're like What do you mean women can't? Can't you see Cardi B's performance? It was okay. literally like uh, I'm surprised it was on TV. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not a Cardi B fan. I did see Harry Styles' performance. It was amazing. However. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I completely lost my point. No, um, I do think that in general, like there's a lot of different double standards. And I feel like that double standard that you're bringing up there, yeah, it might be valid, but I feel like it's definitely valid for a lot of things where it's on the women's side too. No, yeah, I, and I, like I say, I do completely agree with that, and yeah. I feel there needs to be work there. It would just be nice if the, the feminism movement is heart was about equality. Every I've never heard any of them really speak out about man's, men's issues ever, so it'd be nice if every now and then... I mean, maybe they are, and maybe it's just because of a minority. Yeah, I think feminists will talk about men's issues too, but I think you have to understand... Well, I think you do understand, but I feel like people have to understand that. Obviously, this is like a deep-rooted patriarchy, and it is misogyny towards women that is like that is causing problems for men too it's not like people are aiming for a matriarchy or anything i feel like men get sexually assaulted a lot less than women do and in the case that women are being raped it's an epidemic men are being raped yes that's still really awful it should not happen and needs to be prosecuted and needs to be taken out of you know, needs to be dealt with, but it's happening on a lot of a smaller scale. Right, yeah, and, and I completely agree with that point, and I do, but I'm just saying, like, the movement has a chance where you have someone who's admitted to rape in Cardi B, and it's like, why wouldn't you just, yeah, you are right, but if we can do something about any issue, either side, why wouldn't we just do it if we can, and just instead of turning a blind eye to it? I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm agreeing with you. Like, yeah, I think this is what I think this is what I mean. I think we probably agree on more than we actually disagree on with a lot of these issues, to be honest. Um, in my opinion, I think the problem here is that corporations and businesses always feel like they have to have an agenda and always have to feel like they co need to comment on political problems because if they don't, then they're called a racist or a sexist, like Black Lives Matter and stuff. And mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm all of these businesses were coming out and tweeting the hashtag. It's like, why is this? I understand people want to endorse the movement, but it's like, I think that they have too much power. I honestly do. <laughs> because, yeah, I mean, if there's, I don't know who made that decision, but whoever, um, whoever did clearly had some sort of agenda and I don't think that, that, that. I don't know. I think it's kind of like unsubstantiated and I think that it's not really earned. I don't think they should have that sort of power over yeah. <laughs> what we see and what we don't see. I don't know. You guys agree? The Cardi B performance, though, as an example of like women being separated in a public space, I think if you compare that to, say, the um, 
this uh, mix a lot song I hate myself bringing this up but this uh, mix a lot song about like big butts um that was in mainstream popular culture of like male sexual liberation has been a lot more mainstream for a lot longer and also I think a lot of um like intellectual feminists have come out and condemned Cardi B for what she did in the past and also Biden was condemned a lot but the difference um Donald Trump had 26 sexual assault allegations and Biden had eight and so I think that obviously one that was decidedly the lesser of two evils but I think that we can't ignore Biden's completely but there was a lot of criticism of him. I don't know if you just like didn't see from women about having Biden be president. Right. I think um, just sort of the closing remarks in this statement of this segment. Sorry, my bad. Um, I think I think the, the movement of feminism and from my perspective, a male perspective, we have probably a lot more in common than we think we do. And I think it is probably a small minority of extreme radical fem. Radical is probably not the right word of extreme people who have maybe taken over the movement um, who are probably shifting the direction of it. So I feel like, you know, as a whole in society, these gender inequalities, and obviously we've only sort of talked about it from a social infrastructural level here. We haven't really gone into the economics of it. Um, but I feel like it's not really a man versus woman problem. It's probably more of like, a, um, yeah, we can talk about capitalism. <laughs> um, it's not really like a man versus woman problem. It's more of like a, we see problems, let's address them together. And I'd urge sort of the, the mod, not not even moderate feminists, just the the honest, you know, not rad, not not too extreme, just normal society as a whole to shift to shift the topic of conversation on this. Anyway, what's the next segment, Chris? Go for it. Uh, so, Tom, in response to your question, um, what are my thoughts on uh, the novel men? I think you correctly identified that, um, at least in my view, that. It is more about the fact that men have the potential to be, men are seen as having a potential to be rapists and, and sexual harassers, uh, which, which breeds a paranoia and um, fear in women. And that's, that's a cultural thing. I, I, I think it's really about the culture of how men are, are grown up. In terms of, um, but there's a saying that's been bandied around that um, instead of saying, protect your daughters, uh, fathers should educate their sons. I think there is a credence to that uh, because I, I do believe that um, as, as is kind of has been traditional for much of human history, uh, males have been taught and, and ingrained in them that they are the active, the dominant kind of subspecies of, of, of men and women. And, and I think when you have from, even from a very uh, young age, you have um, these sorts of cultural inculcations, uh, be that through the media, um, for sport and, and a number of different avenues, I think that it leads um, men into believing that they are superior and that they deserve things. And when you get into having the right to have something, having right to have sex, having the right to um, having having the right to um, get a woman because you think that you you have an overinflated view of yourself. I think that that leads into the rape culture and that leads into this kind of pervasive um, frightening and terrifying of women. So that's just um, a couple of my views on it. Um, Francisco, what, what do you think? Well, you know, one, one aspect of this entire conversation that I think we haven't really touched up upon is 
like the control and the and the the policing almost um, regarding sexual assaults, uh, particularly on women. I mean, because as as we've seen, like the protests in Britain, there there are um, there there's been a lot of pushback to to um, again defund the police, not just not just for uh, not just in lieu of Black Lives Matter, but also in the context of police officers, you know, um, raping or assaulting women. Um, but then there's almost this underlying irony that the police exist to protect all citizens and especially to protect women from from male predators. But then all of a sudden there's this this new movement to defund the organizations that are hypothetically put in place to protect everyone. So in response to, to everything that we've seen in the last few weeks, do you guys think that we should be almost, uh, we should we should be kind of uh, scaling down these these police campaigns um, or whether or not we should be um, almost increasing some of those uh, uh, resources that pertain specifically to, to women's protections within the context of kind of uh, police departments around the world. What do you guys think about that? So Would I feel... it be possible? Sorry, you go. No, no, it's all right, you go. I was just gonna ask, how would it actually be possible to sort of implement some sort of policy against, you know, men sexually harassing people? I mean, like in day to day life, what are you actually gonna do? Because there was that whole, you know, outrage about the curfew situation. <laughs> men should mm. have a six pm curfew, which she said was a joke, um, but. Uh, like realistically i'm not sure how you could actually sort of legislate that type of thing um and it actually be effective yeah i i agree with um Faye's point there and i feel like this also ties back to something chris said a bit earlier like educate your sons i can only speak from my perspective but i've always been taught you know never never disrespect females and stuff and i feel like most boys are and i do not think though if boys are doing something wrong and they're sexually assaulting a girl they know it's wrong morally do not think like they morally know it's wrong in that situation. So yes, education can always it can be a very easy answer to give on any problem. You know, educate, educate, educate. You know, racism, educate. It can be a very easy answer to go to. But maybe we, I think Francesco raised the point there of police, and I wouldn't call for defunding the police. Um, I'd 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 call for maybe more reform of the police. Um. I think as well, like harsher sentences, because I think what Francisco was saying about the police um, brutality situation in the UK, it was a slightly different issue surrounding more the right to like public protest. But the um, idea that the sentences for rape in prison are so low, I think it's seven years or something at the moment. And I think if we treated it as the serious crime that it is, instead of, um, sorry, sorry. You're killing me here. This hurts. But um, I think if we treated rape as a more serious crime, then people would be more afraid of doing it. Yeah, I agree. I think we should have tough, tougher sentences and stuff. And I don't think that deterrence works in every situation. But I feel like rape's one where I would agree with tougher sentences and so forth. And especially because if you look at the repeated rape offences, you know, if one person, if, if you have a rapist, on average, they're likely to commit six, six rapes. So you do see a, repetent, a repeated pattern of offence against women there. Um, so I feel like that's definitely an issue to be addressed. Do you think that it's an effective way of deterring rape is by, like, isolating people who are accused of rape socially? 
because it's really difficult to, you know, like for someone to actually be convicted of rape in uh, court because of all the evidence needed. <laughs> um, so socially, would that be a solution or could it cause more problems? Hey, are you, are you um, speaking specifically about like um, sex offenders and like the, the registry, at least in the US, like how that, how when you, you commit sexual crimes, you're almost kind of blacklisted everywhere? Is that what you mean? Um, yeah, I mean, we're talking about having harsher sentences for sexual assault, but mm -hmm. I mean, it's pretty difficult to actually get to that point anyway so most people don't even have you know any sort of consequence so yeah. should people in society be leading this by taking it upon themselves to sort of you know not talk to rape people who are accused of rape and that be actually a bigger incentive than the prospect of going to jail because you lose everyone who you sort of care about i think social consequences are in that way because I think a lot of these people like if we look at the like um I think it was it Brock Turner the American like college athlete um who didn't have any consequences because they were worried about ruining his future and I think that kind of social consequences I think needs to be something that we do consider not just in terms of having to declare it every time you get a job but yeah in terms of occupation that might actually be Tom? I agree in part, but I feel like if you have an allegation and it's not proven or anything and you have a man who denies it, I'm always going to take the vote of innocent until proven guilty in that I wouldn't take either side. There's no real way to do this. You can't ever just believe one side of the argument based on gender. So I'm, I'm and the only fair way to do it is to take the legal standpoint of innocent until proven guilty, which is hard because rape's a hard crime to prove. But I, I don't know. I just feel like if you just have an allegation to completely socially remove them from society, it could pose many issues. Mm -hmm. I think in a lot of these cases, it isn't necessarily an allegation, but there's a lot of evidence in that way. Right, well, that's a, that's a different scenario then, obviously. Yeah, that's a different scenario, yeah. Possible false allegations. But I think a lot of people are allowed to get away with like an embarrassing amount of like sexual crime and not really facing the consequences. Right, yeah, and, and in that, that situation, that's an entirely different scenario, and I would therefore agree with what your original statement was. I can see what you're saying, Tom, but I feel like even when there's an overwhelming amount of evidence, men aren't always convicted. Like a really small percentage of men are being convicted when they rape someone or sexually assault someone. I'm gonna give a really basic, like awful example, but uh, basically, Taylor, there was a picture of a man sexually assaulting Taylor Swift and he sued her for trying to, oh my God, I don't even know the legal terms in America. Francisco help. Was it slander? To, I don't know, she, she took him to court and he basically countersued for like loads of money and then she countersued for like $1. And there was a photo of him grabbing her ass and they were still like, mm, you know, no. And it took ages for that to go through. And I think also like the legal system doesn't really support women when they come forward. And like people are really scared to come forward, especially because rape and sexual assault is something that is happening with like people who are around you, like around yeah. people and people who they thought they could trust.
I think that's a really big issue. And I think it's definitely down to educating people from a young age and slowly changing our culture. I feel like on education, like I say, most people know the rape's wrong. I feel like almost everyone does, but I do see your point. Uh, with that Taylor Swift example, I wasn't really arguing that because there's clear evidence there. You said there was a photo. So I was arguing when there is clear evidence, even if he wasn't guilty in court. As a society, we can see there's an issue there so we can take action from there. I just meant more when it's like his word versus her word. It's very, very hard to say I should leave him over her, her over him. Yeah, no, I think it's definitely hard. And I think it's something that has to be tackled from like a cultural and educational point of view, basically. <laughs> I think we can now wrap this up now, Chris. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Francisco, would you like to offer some final comments? Some final comments. All right. Um, well, I, I think that we, I mean, I don't know what else I could, I could possibly add. I think that we really, I mean, if you guys want to hear my, you know, per, my take on this, I mean, I, uh, regards to the, I mean, to, to just circle back regards to the, the 97% of women thing. I think I agree with Karis in the sense that there's uh, that whether or not that that arbitrary 97% figure is correct. It's it's all about that critical mass that she was talking about. And I also think that it flips both ways. Maybe in truth, not all men, quote unquote, are um, are rapists or are sexually assaulting women on the street. But I think that there is also that critical mass there are and and obviously the bar for that is much lower. Like that, that, that critical mass is, is who knows a handful of people, but those handful of people shouldn't exist. And I think that, um, that um, whether men should be offended by, 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 um, uh, by this whole thing is, is kind of beyond me. I, I personally am enough of a man to know that, that I've been raised a particular way and there are, people who aren't and that's their problem um so so i try not to mix my my morals with with kind of the politics of it all um and that's that's a separate issue how how kind of partisan this whole thing has become uh especially in the context of kind of what we've seen with donald trump and with biden and, and with everything um i mean that being said i i think that that um there are a lot of steps that that need to be taken but um I think we've we've um, made some good headway here today, so it's good. Chris, thanks very much for listening to Power Politics podcast, and we hope to see you next week.